Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It is your co-host here, Jenny Scott, Senior Content Developer with ISSA and Master Trainer. I have with me my co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. How are you, Dan? I'm good, Jenny. We're talking about food again. That oh makes gosh. it a good day. Yeah, I know, I know we're going to talk about see me, candy but I'm corn. dancing like Winnie the Pooh right now. When yeah, sneak in the candy corn stories for sure. Oh, you know you got to do that. It. Guys, if you don't know, I love candy corn. So, I mean, look up ISSA's address. If you want to send candy corn, just don't spike it with anything. I'd love to take your candy corn. <laughs> I can take that off your hands for you. <laughs> but today we're actually going to talk about nutrition, but specifically sports nutrition, sports nutrition. Because Dan, what is your sport of choice? Now listen to this, guys. What is your sport of choice, Dan? Well, it's uh, endurance, ultra endurance events. So ultra triathlon, ultra, ultra distance runs. Yeah. So for the layperson, what does an ultra distance run look like? Well, we like to say anything over a marathon, which is, you know, 26 miles longer than a marathon is an ultra run. And anything longer than an Ironman is an ultra distance triathlon. Gosh. And so again, for people who don't know what it is, what is an Ironman, Dan? It is, oh man, a 2.4 mile swim. 112 mile bike ride in a, in a marathon. 26. It's obnoxious is what it is. <laughs> Good for you, Dan. Yeah. So Dan, how many of these um, Ironmans have you done in a row? Like back to back? Uh, the most I did was a quintuple. So five and the, there's two ways to race them. You can call them, they call it continuous or a five by five, which is one Ironman I did. I did a continuous. So I did a 12 mile swim, a 560 mile bike ride, and a 131 mile run. Oh, like all that? All like, oh, yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, Get my. her done. Get it done. If you guys That's can see right. my face right now. Like, I have, like, I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was a couple of years ago. That was the biggest one I did. That's insane. Dan, you're a beast. You're a beast. <laughs> no brain, no pain, Jenny. My mom taught me that at a very young age. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to lie though. Like I have gotten crazy into fitness over the last like 12 years. And at one point it was probably like five or six years ago. I told myself, I watched the um, Ironman in Hawaii, the big one. Yep. And I remember telling myself, you know what? I'm going to train. And that is my life school. I'm going to do that. But child that lasted like a year after I was like, you wait, you have to swim in the open ocean. That's a hard pass for me. No, they're all, everything in the ocean's afraid of you. But no, Jenny, everything in the ocean is ugly. I studied okay. zoology in college and all the stuff that lives in the ocean is hideous. No, no it's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I spent many years scuba diving and uh, there's nothing quite like what's under that water. No. If it's but, not... what, talk about your sport of choice, Jenny. I've got okay. listeners who want to hear something amazing here. How many, how many competitions, Jenny? Okay. So I am uh, an adult volleyball player. No, I'm not a professional. I get asked that all the time and that would be awesome, but no. Uh, I play adult competitive volleyball and I still coach volleyball, 
but my sport of choice is bodybuilding, specifically figure, um, women's figure. So I've done figure, I've done physique, and I've tried the wellness division that's out there. I'm also six feet tall for those of you guys who have never seen me in person, which I'm going to be at Idea in February. So if anybody wants to come stop by and see what a giant human I am, you can. Um, but at my height, uh, that wellness category is tough because I'm so tall. It's a lot of muscle that you have to carry. But yes, I love um, figure. And I have done 27 shows now over the last 12 years. Um, and I absolutely love it. Completely obsessed. I was supposed to be competing here in the next couple of weeks, but my body wasn't ready. So I listened to my body, Dan, and I'm going to wait till next summer, which gives me more time to get bigger. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Listen to your body. Rule number one, if it hurts, you probably shouldn't be doing it. That's my mm -hmm. orthopedic surgeons helping my son through, you know, a couple of bone breaks he underwent recently. And he said, you know, the old no pain, no gain stuff. He's like, throw that stuff out the window. And yeah, it was so yeah. refreshing to hear a doctor say that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, if it hurts you, there's a reason why it hurts. Absolutely. So let's talk about this. So let's dive into our topic, sports nutrition, specifically. Dan, what is sports nutrition? What makes it different from general nutrition? You know, that's a, that's a tricky one because initially sports nutrition is for athletes. Mm -hmm. But we're all athletes and we're all athletes in different ways. And we compete in different sports or even hobbies, which are athletic. So I would look at sports nutrition as anything kind of outside the realm of what a typical, you know, healthy lifestyle would entertain. You're adding in some training of some sort in addition to, you know, uh, an hour at the gym a day or something like that yeah. and taking it to a new level to be competitive even if it's with yourself and in kind of entering what you might call an athlete. An athlete is many things. A golfer is an athlete, a bodybuilder is an athlete, an endurance person's an athlete. We're all, all, all they're all athletes and they all require just a little bit uh, different tweak. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And like the way I break it down is it's performance, right? So just getting up, moving around, doing your activities of daily living, your ADLs as they call them. So toileting yourself, taking a shower, walking around your home, cooking for yourself, right? Just the general movement that we do, everybody does it. Um, even if you're, you know, wheelchair bound, or if you have crutches, or if you're, you know, perfectly able-bodied, you are still moving around and doing these ADLs. But performance requires additional nutrition and additional insight into what is it that you are trying to perform, right? So if you're a power walker, right? Or if you're going to the gym beyond like what you said, that average hour in the gym, you are asking your body to perform. So sports nutrition to me is how you fuel that performance specifically. Um, and it is slightly different than general nutrition because a lot of times you have greater needs for things, depending on what your performance is, what intensity your performance is, the frequency, the duration, all those acute training variables that we talk about in fitness when you're programming, you have to consider those for uh, performance as well. And we'll kind of talk about that as we go through our topic today. But what would you say are the building blocks? We kind of just touched on it. What are the building blocks of sports nutrition that people should be aware of? Well, I, I believe it starts with fundamental, foundational, good eating. So mm -hmm. macros, micros, vitamins and minerals, uh, ensuring that you're, you're getting, and I'm a big fan of somatotype, uh, you know, okay. typing when it comes to ratios, depending on uh, what a person's somatotype is. So uh, break that down for us. What does that mean? Because well, some people so, haven't heard of it that way. Yeah, yeah. So in general, the, the somatotyping breaks us down into three body shapes, 
uh, ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. And I always, I, I always mix them up until I came up with my own little formula. The M's in the middle and C is before N. So ectomorphic folks are, are typically your ultra runners. Uh, they're the people that a lot of us who uh, gain weight easily love to hate because they can eat anything and uh, they never gain body fat. It's really hard for them. They're uh, more slender um, and lean build and it takes a lot of work for them to build muscle. The mesomorphs are more of, I like to think of like a linebacker in football. They're, they're not huge, but they're big. Uh, they can carry, carry some body fat. They gain muscle fairly easily. And they're, they're probably what a lot of folks would love to, to have if you're into you know, how you look, because the mesomorph can have a little more thickness, but not struggle with being overweight like the endomorph, which is how I grew up and uh, how my family is wired and my wife's family is wired. And that's kind of more of the, the pair shape in a female. And, and in a male, we carry the same thing. We carry a lot of weight around our waistlines and our butts and our thighs. And it's an endless battle to try to keep that in check. We gain strength really easily. Uh, we can gain muscle pretty easily, but we struggle with body fat. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. When I was getting into fitness about 12 years ago, a lot of like certification materials that you see don't talk about body types. They don't because the science is kind of mixed on it, right? Whether or not it matters, but I think it does. Um, it definitely does. It's your physiology, right? It's your genetics and it's your physiology. So it absolutely matters. And actually when I came on with ISA about two years ago, this was the first certification that actually had it in the textbook. I was like, oh shoot, there it is. Like they actually refer to it and how you can work with it when you're working with clients um, and, and explaining what it actually means when it comes to general nutrition, right? But then especially that performance nutrition, because there are things that you have to consider with the different body types. And yeah. And, I, and, and so, you know, for sports nutrition, I still like to look at that as a building block. So for example, because now we're talking about the three, by the way, you know, rarely is somebody only one. So it's actually measure, measured in a scale of seven. So a total seven, so I can be a four, three, zero, ecto is a four, meso is a three, et cetera. So just like anything, we rarely fit into one box. Yeah. But in general, the, the macro splits, and I, and I pulled it up because I don't have them memorized, but an ectomorph is 55% carbohydrate, 15% fat, 30% protein. A mesomorph, it's 40% carbohydrate, so less, 30% fat, more fat, 30% protein, same protein. Now you get into the endomorph, which again is the, the, that person that really struggles with body fat, their carbs are down to 25% versus 55 for the ectomorph. 40% fat, so the highest of them all, and 35% protein. So it's, it's made up in the fats and proteins. And I can tell you uh, personally from, from my own uh, nutrition and lifestyle and how you know, I was designed as well as the people I've trained these are really good places to start. But then, like you said, Jenny, you have to consider the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Because each of those macronutrients, super important. All of them are important, right? You can't just cut one of them out. That doesn't make sense if you think about it, right? Fats are super important. Carbohydrates are not the enemy. Stop thinking that way, right? They are fuel. But some people don't need as much glucose in their system, right? And if they're, especially if you're trying to lose body fat, you don't necessarily want to burn glucose. You want to burn triglycerides, right? Which is stored in adipose tissue. So you reduce your carbohydrate intake, but it 
to your point, it has to be a lifestyle. It's not something that you go into and out of because your body is going to be confused and it doesn't work. Um, but you want to force your body to burn those triglycerides. So you reduce your glucose so that it goes through it faster, not so that it doesn't have it to burn. You just want it to move through it faster. So that energy system will switch over and it'll start burning the right thing. I could nerd out on that stuff. All oh day, yeah. And so. I could listen to you, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> I love the energy systems and the pathways. It's it's so interesting to me, but a lot of people have a hard time grasping it because you can't see it, right? Once food enters your mouth, you have no idea what's going on in there unless you've studied it. Um, well, the other cool thing about it, it goes out. The other cool thing about it is we know the science, we know the cycle, we know the energy pathways, but there is no, there, there is no perfect. There is no exactness because again, everybody, everybody is different. Absolutely. So Dan, of course, I want to know what you eat when you were training for your, like your ultra marathons and stuff, but I want to first talk about the correlation between macro and micronutrients before and after you train for or compete in a sport. Okay. So specifically consuming macros and micros before and after you uh, perform your sport or train for your sport. What can you tell us about that? Well, again, it's going to depend on the sport. So uh, if you're a power lifter, you know, your training sessions may be one, possibly two hours long. You're relying primarily on, you know, ATP, PC, uh, energy pathway, and, and you're, you know, you're not trying to be as lean as possible generally as a power lifter. Compare and contrast that with an ultra runner who mm -hmm. wants to be as light as possible and is training for hours and hours, sometimes the entire day. It's going to, you know, so my answer usually to these is depends. Yes, so, favorite answer in fitness. It depends. It depends. Uh, I, I could speak very, uh, you know, right off the top of my head very easily around the ultra piece or the endurance type stuff. Is that what you'd like to dig into? Sure. Let's talk about it. Okay. So training, we're talking about training, not competing because mm -hmm. you can't compete unless you train. And most of your time is spent training. I again, think of time. So how long am I going to be training for? So for example, a 60 minute spin class mm -hmm. or a 60 minute moderate, to, you know, decently high intensity oh, run. Damn, talking about spin class, you're giving me heartburn. Okay, yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, you know, that's the, a lot of folks don't get out on a bike. And, and so this would be the equivalent. Uh, so, you know, you just eat normal, good balanced macros, a couple, three hours before. Uh, it can be if you're, you know, find yourself pressed for time and using a pre-workout or something, but you want to still use those. I don't mean pre-workout like the ones that get you jacked uh, and make <laughs> your face itch. I'm talking about like a, a pre-workout. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with that, uh, that has carbs and proteins and fats in it. It'd be the same, same composition a few hours before during your training session, uh, water, you know, just drink, make sure you hydrate. I usually don't worry much unless it's over an hour, but stay hydrated. And then a regular meal, 30 to 60 minutes after. That, that's, that's a regular short uh, intensity training session, not unlike going to the gym and lifting weights. Where it gets different is when you start going longer periods. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you one example to, uh, of, let's say you're training over two hours, uh, up to, you know, a lot of my training days are eight, 12 hours. So what's that look like? I like to really uh, load up the night before and then lunchtime the day before, lunch and dinner the day before. So high calorie, simple carbs, don't get too complex, uh, you know, with the carbohydrates because you don't, you know, want too much uh, bowel discomfort or anything when you're out there on the, the, the run or the ride night before, and then medium sized meal up to about an hour before you start. And then when you're out there, be consuming something with like a three to one ratio of carb to protein. Again, depending on somatotype, I tend to, to, to go more of a two to one myself. 
Uh, you can use gels and liquids, but food is even acceptable or bars are acceptable, but you wanna be consuming two to 400 calories every hour based on the intensity. So I'll top at it about four to 500 myself. Um, and then after, you know, a regular meal within 30 to 60 minutes, make sure you eat plenty. But if you're going to be doing the same thing, you know, tomorrow, uh, then you want that, that high glycemic index carb, you know, within 30, 60 minutes, if you can, so you can replenish your glycogen stores. Hey guys, it's time for another ISSA rapid review. Heather K had this to say about our certified personal training course. I loved getting certified through ISSA. It's an amazing school and I can't wait to get started on my fitness journey to help others. Thank you for the confidence and being there to answer questions as needed. Heather, we're so glad you enjoyed it and good luck. So question for you though. So you're talking about an endurance event where you're either running, swimming or biking or potentially other endurance events or activities. If you're eating during, like if you're out for a two hour run or a three hour run, first of all, ew. Second of all, like <laughs> you need to eat every hour. How do you consume those calories? Is it like a bar or something that you try and fiddle with? Is it liquid? Is it those gels? What are you eating? Uh, great question. And uh, we're back to depends because I'm, a, a, I'm gonna tie back this metatypes. I've had the good fortune to train and race with a lot of uh, you know, great athletes um, over the years who are built differently. So I'm built more like a linebacker. I am not built like an endurance athlete at all. And um, compare and contrast that with somebody that's more ecomorphic and truly are. They're the ones that win, by the way. I, I don't win. <laughs> I finish them. And so, you know, what do they eat? So, for example, the folks that are more ecomorphic that really need those carbohydrates, they're big on gels and drinks. So sure. drinks that have carbohydrates using kind of a medium. So they'll have some type of fiber or slow release starch in them not necessarily high GI, but the gels and things like that is what they'll consume for hours at a time. That doesn't work for me. It doesn't give me the energy I need. Um, it makes my stomach not happy. I tend to eat food. I'll take a sandwich. I'll take a, a bar, you know, that has all the right macro uh, ratios to it. I'll mix up some drinks also. I never use gels. I never use the kind of eater you, you know, uh, push out of a, a goo uh, uh -huh. personally, but it depends on each person. I know a guy that does ultras and all he eats is donuts. Joey bag of donuts, we call cool. him. Uh, and, and he's an ectomorph. I know there's another guy I know. Uh, he, he just eats cheap hamburgers, like McDonald's hamburgers. For I'll days. never forget your hamburger story after your race. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Motivation. You know what I'm talking about. Go back and listen to the podcast. Dan has Motivation. a great hamburger story. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's different, but you do need to eat during the, that training or that event. There's a time, and maybe we'll talk about it later, when you do want to you know, be run out of juice, you want to deplete all your glycogen stores, but that's not the majority of your training sessions. Absolutely. And that kind of leads me into the next point is timing, right? So you mentioned a little bit about timing as far as, for example, an endurance event or training. Um, a lot of it is timing before and after. There's a lot of literature, a lot of research out there about should you eat before you work out, right? Should you work out fasted or should I eat immediately after? Is it 30 minutes after? Is it 60 minutes after? Best answer in fitness. It depends. Um, if your goal is fat loss, which is more general nutrition, um, then yes, there's a lot of research out there that says that you could potentially train fasted because essentially you're not necessarily fasted. Um, fasted is you haven't eaten anywhere from three to 24 hours or more, right? Um, I usually say eight hours or more. 
Um, but there's still food in your body after eight hours or even 24 hours, right? There's food in your intestines, there's stored glycogen in your muscle tissue and your liver. Um, there's all kinds of other sources that your body can pull from. Is it going to be super efficient? Not so much, right? So if your goal is performance, especially if you're training or you're about to go out and do an event, your goal is performance, right? I want to perform at my best, whether that's I'm my fastest, my strongest, my most powerful, then fasted is not going to do it right? Because it's, it's the wrong energy that your body's trying to pull from. You want to give your body the energy and say, here you go, body. It's right here. Take it versus go find it and figure out how to use it. So fasted, not a great idea if your goal is performance. Um, so guys, I want to put a little plug in here for you guys. One of my favorite podcasts that I'm like absolutely obsessed with right now, it's a guy named Andrew Huberman. He's from Stanford University. He's a neurobiologist and an ophthalmologist. Um, and he has a podcast called The Huberman Lab. Fabulous podcast. He has like almost 50 episodes out right now. Um, Andrew Huberman, if you, if you ever get to hear this, I love you so much. I'm obsessed. Um, fabulous. He presents the science behind things like hormones, sleep, relationships, emotions, mental health, um, sports performance, recovery, all these topics. And I'm like, I've worked my way through all the performance and the, like the sports performance podcast and I'm working my way into the other ones guys, but go check it out. He has phenomenal stuff. Um, but he also does a lot of research about these things. So he can give you references to things that you can read to learn more about it. Um, but he has some great episodes on performance specifically um, and recovery that you should check out if you're interested in sports nutrition and generally sports performance because he ties it all back to nutrition. Um, and so how you can fuel your body and the things that you should fill your body with to perform better, whether you supplement it, whether you get it from your food, that's up to you, right? But there's lots of things out there that can help you perform. Um, but the biggest thing for me is, like you said, Dan, a well-rounded diet, keep it simple. Cause if you aren't eating a well-rounded diet in the first place, you making changes and adding supplements and trying to, Oh, I'm going to boost my protein. Doesn't matter. Right. If your micronutrients are off, doesn't matter what you're doing. Cause your body's not working efficiently. So you have to have that baseline first. Um, but then yeah, post-workout again, it depends. When's your next training session? How long were you just training? What was the intensity that you were just working at? Do your energy systems need more carbohydrates right now to replenish? Do you need more protein? Whatever it is, it depends a lot on what you're doing and how frequently and when your next bout is. Cause right. A lot of, would you say that when you were training for your ultras, did you do more than one workout in a day? Yes, <laughs> definitely. There you go. Yeah. So you finish your first workout of the day. That's going to change what you eat because now you have what, two, three hours, maybe a nap. And then you're off for your next one versus me as a bodybuilder. I train once a day. If that I listen to my body a lot when I do this, cause it's different. I'm breaking down the muscle versus challenging my energy systems in a different way for endurance. So once a day. And I'm like, I'm good. See you. See you tomorrow. Maybe the next day. <laughs> well, and a quick plug, and I'm going to finish with the, the endurance. Cause I want to learn more about bodybuilding is don't, when I mention micronutrients that includes electrolytes. Oh, absolutely. So, you know that if you're not getting enough through food, which uh, you may or may not be able to do, that's a supplement. So sometimes supplementation is necessary. I like to, to get them through food. My favorite thing to eat, this is going to sound really weird is a banana. You take a Ziploc bag, quart size or sandwich size, stick in a banana, an avocado, a big tablespoon of peanut butter, and some salt. Mash it all up, pull it out of your bag, bite the corner off, and suck it down. That is that all of the that's all <laughs> of the electrolytes, healthy fat, fiber, carbohydrates, protein, all in one shot. So there you go. Right. You want to try something for those who want to eat for nutrition and not for taste, go that's for it. <laughs> right. So Jenny. 
you know, talk to us about bodybuilding nutrition. Tell us what, what yours looks like and what you, you know, some recommendations for folks. Absolutely. So your bodybuilding training is very specific, right? It's the isolation of the body parts, really contracting the muscle, really making sure you're squeezing it, going for hypertrophy. Once you get as big as you want to be, now it's about maintenance and then it can be about strength. Um, so for bodybuilders, most of us focus on protein intake, but I think a lot of people, they neglect their carbohydrates, especially when it comes to around a workout. Um, your body needs carbohydrate. It breaks it down to glycogen or glucose and it stores it as glycogen. Um, but glucose helps fuel your body through the activity. Um, but after a workout specifically, carbohydrates are used to help re the repair process, not just protein, right? So many people are so obsessed with protein. Like there's all these protein bars out there and stuff like that. If my trainer is listening to this, she's going to kill me because I love Quest bars, protein bars. I love them, but they have a lot of fillers in them, right? So I should, what I really should be looking for or reaching for is those whole protein sources like chicken or turkey or beef, or I love me a good steak, Dan, a good New York strip. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But we're looking for that protein, of course, but you have to have the carbohydrates in there to help as well. Um, so for me, the volume of food is relatively high but it's all seasonal. All sports are seasonal. That's right. Right. All performance is seasonal. You cannot be a peak performer year round, year in and year out. It does not work that way. You will burn out, right? Even your professional athletes out there. Um, I have a college athlete um, on the men's volleyball team with the college I work for. And he's an awesome kid. He learned everything he knew from his football coach. Blink, blink. Cool. <laughs> um, but he's so obsessed with like, like in a good way, he wants to be fit and perform and do all these things year round. And I'm like, every time he talks to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're overtraining. You're doing too much, right? At some point you have to take a break. You have to listen to your body. He's like, well, can I mentally push through this stuff? No, you can't. It doesn't work that way, right? Physically, emotionally are different, right? Mentally and emotionally, you might be fine, but physically your body is screaming for help and you can work out really hard all the time. You're going to be super, super sore right? Your nutrition is probably going to be off at some point and you're not going to see gains. You're just maintaining at that point because your body's trying not to break itself down. Um, and I know you've been through that, Dan, Mr. Oh, no yeah. Gain, get out of here. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's stress, it's stress hormone. It's cortisol, right? I mean, oh, yeah. and, and once yes. that goes up, protein synthesis goes down, recovery goes down. Uh, your clients, if you, if you, if you've seen them or you've seen them in the gym that they can't get rid of that belly fat, they can't get rid, get rid of that trunkal fat. It's usually stress. And I'm Jenny, I'm sure you've seen that in your, in your world of bodybuilding. A hundred percent. The closer you get to a show, we do weekly countdowns in bodybuilding. It's just a thing. Like I'm eight weeks out, I'm seven weeks out, but the closer you get, and especially if you're not quite seeing what you want to see yet, it's very much a mental sport. Cause it's a very subjective physical sport. You're standing up there in your undies and somebody's judging you literally. Um, so people get really, really stressed and that cortisol if it goes up and stays up short-term, it has benefits. Absolutely. But long-term, if you keep it up, your body will resist burning fat. You're going to have no energy, right? Your body's not going to operate the way it is. You'll have GI issues, all kinds of things you'll start to break out. Like, what is this? Um, you're going to have all kinds of issues because your cortisol is high and people don't even think that that's the issue. They're just like, oh, my body's not responding. Well, why is that? Right. You're too stressed out. Um, but nutrition can help with that, right? Nutrition um, and then proper prior planning with anything, like really plan out your training and make sure that it is seasonal. It is periodized. Um, you have to have a time where you're peaking. You have to have a time when you're coming out of that. And you have to have a time where you are not doing much of anything. Let your body rest, right? You only get one tin can to kick around. You might as well take care of it. <laughs> I love that. And, and, and key takeaway there for the listeners is, you know, Jenny's talking about periodized training when you're, of course, your nutrition changes. Be thinking periodized nutrition. 
because 100%. by the same token, just like we don't want to train the same way for 12 months, we don't want to eat the same way for 12 months. So, you know, make your change your caloric intake, your macros, your meal timing and all that based on your training period. And you don't have to be an athlete. This goes for anybody. And again, I think everybody's an athlete, but uh, you don't have to be what we would consider a performance athlete to periodize that nutrition and play with it a little bit. So you're not doing the same thing over and over. I'll take a, you know, a, a month and just dump any protein powders, not take any protein powder mm -hmm. for a month, get my body a break, uh, eat more regular sources, and then I'll cycle back in. Uh, with my training, I train for ultra, you know, endurance in the summer, and I train for building muscle like Jenny in the winter. And that's two completely eat different eating patterns. So absolutely, you know, mix it up, mix it up. Yeah. And like, for those of you guys listening, I know, like, I'm thinking about it as we're talking, like we are being so vague and we kind of are, you guys, we're giving you big picture again, find resources, like resources, like the Huberman lab podcast or peer reviewed papers. Dan's a reader. He loves to read. So find the journal articles that will explain this information to you, but you have to start by learning nutrition, right? Get certified. If you want to pursue a degree, find a book. I buy textbooks, Dan, all the time. Like half my bookshelf is actual textbooks from like colleges and stuff. No, I'm not taking a class. No, I'm not taking a test, but there's great information in textbooks. Okay. So find books and read more information, find out more about these things, but start with general nutrition first, because that's the foundation of sports nutrition. You just make modifications. Um, but there's so much to know you guys that goes into like energy systems, the way that, for example, salt, uh, Dan was talking about electrolytes. There's a huge role that salt plays in the way that your neurons fire. Well, what does neurons have to do with exercise and nutrition? Your nerves, your brain, your nervous system control your muscles, right? All human movement starts from your brain. So if your axons, if your neurons are not in good shape, you're messed up. Like you can't do what you need to do. Um, so it all is interconnected hydration, all these things are so much more like we have barely scratched the surface. Like the iceberg and, for this one would sink more than just the Titanic. And, right? and so to, there's, you have to do your research. And to Jenny's point, uh, it was a great quote and it's not exact. There's a story that goes along with it, but I'll summarize. And that is that Albert Einstein, who I think many consider one of the brightest minds of all time. He said, you don't have to have all the answers. You have to know where to find them. Yes. And that's why Jenny has a library, know where to find them. And by the way, don't we have a certification in nutrition, Jenny? Uh, yeah, we do, Dan. We do. Yeah. So, certification. That <laughs> is the perfect. Nutrition. That's where you start. That's where you start and then keep learning. Absolutely. Um, so Dan, let's, let's tie this into actual personal trainers, especially if you're working with athletes. But like you said, everyone's an athlete. We all have to perform. Um, but how can a personal trainer differentiate their coaching styles with different athletes their coaching style or their nutrition i, I assume you mean their, their yeah nutrition. their nutritional coaching approach good call yeah well first read okay don't just go go with what dan and jenny said because <laughs> you know jenny's one of famous uh, the other thing that you're really good at emphasizing is you have to build the answer answer the question why mm -hmm. and and if your client is asking you why as they should know the answer it's not because dan said so it's not because whoever fill in the blank said so so understand what the needs of their sport or their lifestyle are. Uh, I mentioned I'm a fan of somatotyping. By no means do I say that's the, the end all be all. There's a lot of different ways to approach nutrition. But the most important thing is to educate the client and have them understand why they eat, what they eat, whether it's good or bad. Why am I eating a donut when I shouldn't be eating a donut? Yeah. Uh, why do I need to consume a palm-sized portion of protein? four or five times a day, understand the why, give simple guidelines, because we also want to be, you know, concerned about scope of practice, 
and teach them to be accountable to themselves. We don't want to be the food police. Nobody needs a food police. Uh, unless you're a high level athlete like Jenny, who's going to have a coach that's saying, this is what you do and what you don't do, because it, it really refines things or a professional athlete. We're not training them for the most part, you know, for the most part. So teach them, you know, the old teach a man to fish, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, don't give him a fish, teach him how to catch his own, uh, teach them and then let them be accountable to themselves. And then you provide feedback, being ready to answer the question, why? Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. A lot of it is the why you have to understand, okay, you want to perform. You've told me you want to perform. Well, here's what you're doing. Here's how it's not helping you, right? Here's how it might be hurting you. Here's some suggestions on what to change. I actually asked my same athlete I was referring to this morning or earlier. Um, I asked him this morning. I said, I need you to give me, it's like, we're early in the month right now that we're recording this. I said, I need you to give me, you to give me the rest of this month. Give me the rest of this month. Trust me. Let me make some changes. It's going to feel weird. At the end of the month, you make the choice. Did it work for you? Did it not work for you? If it worked, awesome. Let's keep with it. If it didn't, go back to what you were doing. Okay, but give me four and a half weeks to, to help you make a change. And I think it's going to change the way that you train. It's going to change the way that you perform. It's going to change the way that you recover. But more importantly for me, for this kid, he's so fit already, but it's going to change the way you progress. You're actually going to see something different at the end of this month than what you've been seeing because you're just maintaining right now. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, mention one other thing to study. So we talked about nutrition, energy systems, all tied in, all, you know, it's all in our book. Mm -hmm. But pay attention to the endocrine system. You've heard us yeah. talking about it. You heard oh, yeah. Jenny talk about know. insulin. You heard her talk about cortisol, uh, growth hormone, human growth hormone, insulin growth like factor one, testosterone. All of those hormones play a role in what it is that that athlete or that person that's trying to perform is trying to accomplish. So understanding the endocrine system, how exercise impacts it, how lifestyle impacts it, and how food impacts it, that actually is what runs everything. Mm -hmm. It's going to be your hormones. Your hormones dictate whether you lose or gain weight. So understand that piece of it. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, the fundamental definition of a hormone is a compound that's made in one place and acts in another in the body. Yep. Absolutely. So much fun, Dan. Oh, I could talk about this for days, except for the whole running part. That's that's all you. You can put me in one. Oh, you can get me in like an adult size stroller thing and push me Oh, along. I've done that. So I've done that. So I, I, I'll mention it real quick. When I was I in Colorado, I, I was part of two organizations that helped uh, uh, handicapped folks, folks that, you know, couldn't get around on their own. Mm -hmm. And I would uh, uh, take them through a triathlon. I'd tow them in a boat. So that I'd put a rope between a tether between us. Then I would pull them in a, a, a you know, a trolley behind my bicycle for the bike oh, portion nice. and then push them in a, basically a, a, a real big stroller. So That's Jenny, so if you cool. need me to do that for you, I'm, I'm down. Done. Can you do me and uh, uh, somebody else? Like me? No. Like, it'll be like a tricycle. <laughs> That's awesome, Dan. That's a cool opportunity. Yeah, it was a blessing. It was the highlight of my my racing for sure. Very cool. Oh, I have to say, I used to volunteer a lot. Random sidebar. Speaking of like Special Olympics and stuff, and I used to volunteer for the Arizona Special Olympics all the time. Oh, be still my heart every time. These kids are phenomenal. phenomenal. Like Randy Hetrick said, you know, give back. His yeah. number, you know, when we interviewed him, we asked him, what's your number one piece of advice for a trainer making it? And he said, give back. Yep. Give. All so the time. I love it. I love it. So yes, give back. I like that. That's going to be my closer today. So of course, I need you guys to make good choices as usual. But our closing words to you guys is give back. There's never a time of year that it works best, right? All the time, every day, all day. Fabulous. 
Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Hope you got a little bit about it, but hopefully this encourages you. Like if you want to know more, you've got to do the research, right? It starts with certification. Find your content, find your books, find your peer-reviewed journals, get some reputable sources where you can learn more and it's going to blow your mind what you can do for not only yourself, but for people that you work with. We are all athletes, right? The everyday athlete. Every day is game day. (laughs) There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. And we will be talking to you soon.